Hi, everybody. Welcome into the Irish NFL show. It's Friday night. Uh, we're presented by our friends over at Pundit Arena, joined with the usual guys. But you can see we've got a really special guest tonight, probably one of the greatest ever coaches. doesn't matter if it's, if it's a coach or, or a defensive coach in the NFL for many a year. Wade Phillips. Wade, it's, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. How's it going? Hey, it's going good. I'm, I'm uh, excited to be on with you guys. Yeah, I love Ireland. I'd like Son to go there. Bum. I know the pictures and the, and the people are always great. So, I was going to ask you, because we, 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 we always ask uh, our guests to come on, especially ones from the States. Obviously, Son of Bum, have you any affiliation to Ireland? Any family from Ireland or anything? Uh, I think I have a, I'm Phillips, you know, so I have a little bit of Irish blood somewhere. Uh, my mother was a Wilson, so uh, UK and Ireland, I think, yeah. Wade, we're definitely going to, to talk about you and, and your stellar career in, in a little while, but you, your dad was the, the legendary Bum Phillips. Um, could you maybe talk to us a little bit about some of the things that you learned from your dad? Well, uh, all the football stuff, you know, growing up a coach's kid and, and certainly he was a famous coach and uh, uh, you know, he said as long as they, they just uh, call him bum and not a bum, he was all right with it. So, uh, but he uh, he influenced everything. Obviously, I grew up, uh, you know, idolizing him and uh, being around football. And uh, I learned three, four defense from him. So, uh, yeah, my whole football career is really, and my life is uh, certainly influenced by my dad. So, and I have a book out, The Son of Bum, if anybody wants to read it. So uh, that kind of tells you what my dad and, and I, uh, how we, you know, how we got along and how I learned, learned from him. Wade, having watched the league for 20 odd years now, you always come across as a character with a great sense of humor and never tend to take too much too seriously. Was that something that you also got from your father? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, everybody's influenced by their dad, I'm sure, but uh, I was in that area. I've got a little bit of a dry sense of humor, and uh, uh, and I, I learned to enjoy life, enjoy, enjoy what I'm doing, enjoy coaching. Uh, I wouldn't have been in it if I didn't love it, and that's what he taught me. He said, hey, you know, if you want to do anything else, if you love to do anything else, you should be doing it. If you love football, then get in it. Wade, obviously, you know, with your dad and then obviously on your own um, as a head coach and D coordinator, you've been around the league for so long, you've coached so many great players. But I remember hearing, you know, back in the earlier days when you're with the Houston Oilers coaching Elvin Bethea, um, you know, Hall of Fame uh, DT there. There's a couple of funny stories. There's one in particular that stands out. I wonder if you wouldn't mind sharing that. Yeah. Um... I was a young coach, 27 years old, and uh, I think Elvin Bethay, who, who, like you said, is in the Hall of Fame, he had had four or five different coaches before I got there, and he and I were about the same age. Or, you know, he might have been a little older than I was, so I was coming in there new out of college and and full of piss and vinegar, and so uh, I was coaching him, you know, one day. And Elvin was a great player, so he hadn't been corrected a whole lot, you know. And so, you know, we had a drill, and I said, Elvin, you know, I want you to do do certain things. 
and step this way when I say set hut. Well, he didn't step the 45 degree angle that I wanted him to step at. And so I said, Elvin, you need to do this again. And again, we did it a couple of times, you know. And after a while, uh, my dad, who coached on a tower way up high, he was up on a tower up there. And, and uh, Elvin turned around and he hollered to my dad. He said, hey, bum, Wade's coaching his ass off. <laughs> and which meant, you know, I was really correcting him a whole lot, which he hadn't been, hadn't, hadn't had a lot of his, of his career. He probably didn't need to be, but uh, it was a fun moment. And that, that just shows you how, how much fun we had uh, during practice and so forth and how, how loose it was. And that, you know, a player could holler up to the head coach and say, hey, this guy's coaching like heck. So, um, yeah, that, that was a fun time. Ellen was a great player, though. It was hard, hard to correct him. He didn't make many mistakes. And even going on what you mentioned, is that going to go with about about your book, Son of Bum, about about your dad and obviously career and stuff? I read the book when it came out, and I have to I have to say, if if you are an NFL fan or even getting into the game over here in Ireland, UK and Europe, I definitely recommend checking it out. And you can get it you can get it on Amazon here and some local booksellers. So there's a link in the description below. We had um, there are some great lines from your dad about Earl Campbell. Uh, could you maybe share the story about running the mile uh, in the oh, preseason? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite story uh, about my my dad and Earl Campbell. You know, Earl Campbell, I mean, to show you how good he was, he, when he was a rookie, he was rookie of the year, but he was also NFL player of the year as a rookie. And his second year, he was NFL player of the year. And his third year, he was NFL player of the year. So, I mean, uh, and obviously he's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, I can tell you a lot of stories about uh, the great things he did, and, and you may know all about him. If you don't know about him, you should look on YouTube and see what kind of runner he was because nobody runs like that these days. I mean, there's there's some there's some really great backs, but but you can see why he's in the Hall of Fame. But anyway, in the preseason, we when we when the players came in because they'd been off the whole off season, uh, we tested them to see if they were in shape or not, basically, and so. Um, this one year, Earl came in and all the players came in. And normally we tested them by running 40 meters, you know, back and forth or something like that to see what kind of shape they're in. Well, this year they decided, the guys decided that the players were going to run a mile to see uh, what kind of shape they're in. Well, Earl wasn't a miler. Uh, you know, he had 40 inch thighs. So <laughs> he wasn't quite the miler type. And, uh, so he makes about a half a mile and he steps off the track and doesn't make it. And the media is just like they are today. They all ran up to my dad and they said, bum, bum, what are you gonna do? Earl didn't make the mile. And he thought a minute and he said, well, hell, if it's third and a mile, we won't give him the ball. So, so uh, but he said, we'll give it to him the rest of the time, which we did. So uh, yeah, Earl was, uh, I can tell you a lot of fantastic you know, the four-minute offense was Earl Campbell when we there, were there because at the end of the game, if we had to keep the ball to win the game, uh, we just gave it to Earl every play, and, and he ran out the clock. So um, you couldn't stop him most of the time, but especially at the end of the game. So he was a fun guy to be around. I just talked to Earl the other day. They named the stadium at the University of Texas uh, for him, uh, and uh, uh, what a great guy and a great player. 
when you have a coach, I suppose, some absolute legends of the game. You, you've, you've given us a, a couple of the names there, but obviously the others that people wouldn't, you know, the names like Reggie White, JJ Watt, Aaron Donald, Demarcus uh, Ware, Vaughn, um, Br- uh, Bruce Smith, um, so many, and, and so many others. I mean, the list could go on and on. Any um, favorite moments from, um, from working, um, you know, as, as, a, as a coach? Oh yeah, I mean, all those guys you mentioned were hard workers. They were hard. They were uh, obviously great talents, but they worked at what they did. And uh, uh, Reggie White was a lot of fun. I mean, Reggie White was a, obviously a big guy, about six five, three oh five, could really run fast, and uh, he was kind of a clown though. He he liked to mess around. He would, you know, when they throw Gatorade on the coaches after the game. Well, he used to do it in training camp. He'd, <laughs> he'd throw a big bucket of ice water on the coaches uh, during training camp when it was real hot outside. And, uh, and he, he, would, he could imitate everybody. At that time, he imit, could imitate Muhammad Ali and people like that. And so he, he, would, uh, he would put on a show for the team and, and uh, imitate people. Uh, he imitated me. I don't know how you could do that, but he imitated me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, coach buddy ryan he would imitate him and one of our coaches smoked a pipe and so he he would imitate him and and, and uh, so we had big uh, we'd have a show or something at night uh you know after practice and reggie would come on and do his impersonations and everybody laugh and have a lot of fun but uh you know he you know i coached him in 1987 and the, he set the record for for sacks in the league at that time uh, which was 21, and uh, Michael Strand broke it with with 22, but pe- what people don't remember is in 1987 when he had 21 sacks, we played 12 games. It was a strike season, we so we didn't play the first four games, so we played a, a 12 instead of 16 game schedule, and he had 21 sacks in 12 games, and I don't think anybody's going to ever come close to that. I've had. Aaron Donald had uh, 20 and a half sacks. Uh, Marcus Ware had 20, uh, 20 sacks. Uh, Von Miller obviously was the MVP. Uh, Bruce Smith, uh, all-time sack leader. All those guys were great players, but nobody had a season like he had that year. And just on Reggie White, you moved him from defensive tackle to outside linebacker. What was the, what was the thought process at the time behind that? Um, in English, one more time. He was originally a defensive tackle, and then he moved to outside linebacker. Just no, he played. He played defensive end. Yeah, what, what Reggie went from. He was playing defensive tackle when we had him, and and they could double team him real easy by putting the center on him all the time and the guard. So we moved him out to defensive end, and. Uh, that way, the tackle was one on one with him all the time, and he could he could beat anybody one on one. He kind of he probably could have beat people two two on one, but uh, we'd rather put him outside because he was a big guy. And we had Aaron Donald. I had Aaron Donald, and he's really an inside player. He's not very tall. Reggie was six five, so we could move him outside. Uh, Aaron just beats the double teams anyway, you know. So, but I think Reggie could have, you know, all those great ones. Uh, they they could beat more than one person. 
Wade, Brian is a Giants fan, so I'm almost tempted to ask you, would it be Reggie or LT for you? But I, I think I know what your answer will be. Um, well, Reggie had the greatest year ever. I mean, I, I, as far as sacks are concerned. And, uh, you know, I coached a guy named Robert Brazil, who was with the Oilers, who just went in the Hall of Fame a couple of years ago. They played a similar time as LT. LT was a great player. Uh, but Robert, Robert was right up there with him. I mean, he was 6'5", 245, and he could run better than 4'6", um, you know, 40-yard dash. So he, he was a tremendous athlete. And, uh, I was glad to see him get in the all in the NFL Hall of Fame because he deserved it. And, and Wade, you're, you're talking about your players there and you can, your, your passion for them, you, you know, your respect for, obviously, their, their skills is quite evident. But it's quite clear from outside looking in, you've got a strong relationship with a number of players. You see the relationship you had with so-called difficult players like Aqib Tlaib and the like, and all the players you've coached under the years, whether as a head coach or a defensive coordinator, they've all seemed to really respect you, respond to your coaching style, respond to you personally. I'm just, I mean, how would you describe how you've evolved, I suppose, that leadership style or um, that, that way of building those relationships and those performances from them? Well, you know, I got a lot of donkey's years, so I, uh, <laughs> I've been around a long time. A lot of people think I know what I'm doing because, because of my age. So that helps me a lot uh, going in. But, uh, you know, just, just being yourself, be, uh, you know, I, I started at the bottom and I'm here right now. So, I, you know, I'm, uh, I, I, enjoy, I enjoy players uh, and not just the great ones but a lot of good, good players or even average players, uh, but they're hard workers. Uh, football gives you that. They, they work hard to, to get, to gain what they do. Uh, they work hard to make a living. And, uh, and I appreciate that from them. And uh, I try to, I don't know about lead them, lead them, but, but uh, try to direct and, and make it reasonable, uh, reasonable that, that they do the right things the right way. And uh, I think that that helps uh, helps our relationship. Uh, and and as far as I'm concerned, I work with them. They don't work for me. They they work with me. And I think that's the key. Uh, you know, to be be successful and be uh, for the players. It's not that they like you. It's if they they feel like you can help them be a better player. I hope. And that's what I try to do. And so you have to work with someone to do that. Uh, you know, everybody looks at a coach as a, uh, you know, a holler guy that is always jumping on players. And, and really, that's not what you're doing. You're a teacher. You have to teach players, uh, even with the great talents, uh, you have to try to teach them to do a little bit better, not only motivation-wise, but skill-wise, to utilize their skills. And different guys have different skill sets that you have to you have to develop, and it—it's like taking a you know a, a kid in school and and developing him as a teacher. You do the same thing with a football player. They, you know, they're they're not at the top of their class, and they they haven't finished their schooling, so to stay say speak. So they uh, you have to feel like that you're you're helping them be a better player, and I you know I always. Uh, I always feel like they they uh, they know they know if you can help them or not, and so uh, you know, I coach defensive backs or defensive linemen, linebackers, a lot of great ones, uh, and they were naturally good. But hopefully, we helped them be better.
you've actually touched on my next question. You, you're obviously talking there about the desire to get better. And that is such an important trait in the player. We had, uh, you, and you've obviously talked about that. But for you, is that something that you learned from your dad, do you think? Yeah, I mean that. But, uh, you know, being around those players that we mentioned, uh, those, those great ones, uh, they, had that, they had that inner want to. That, that uh, you know, they want to be better. <laughs> they want to be better than everybody else. I mean, they, you know, they don't, they're not egotistical. I don't mean that, but they, uh, they have this desire to be great. And, um, you know, you can help them in some ways, but uh, they've got to have heart. You know, they've got to have heart uh, to be better. Uh, I don't know how you give it to them. I wish I did. Uh, but I, I've, I've been around the ones that, that do have it. And I, you know, hopefully they've gotten better uh, by me coaching them some, but, uh, but they got better because they, they want to, they want to be the best. Uh, Aaron Donald wants to be the best. JJ Watt. I mean, you can't find guys that work harder than those. And I'm talking about during the season, during the off season to, to do the things they need to do. Uh, to better to get stronger, to get quicker, to get faster, anything they can do, they do it. And so uh, I'm not sure I have a lot of influence in, in that way to make them that much better, but they, uh, they certainly are those kind of people. Those, those great ones we named are all like that. It's, they're all similar. Uh, you know, they're different people, obviously, but, but they want to be successful. They want to be the best at what they do. And uh, they turn out being that way. I wish I could get everybody to want, want to do that. Well, you yourself clearly have that desire to, to continue to, to learn and to, to grow and, and develop, which is why, you know, you've been so successful and as a defensive coordinator, but you've had stints as, as a head coach and you were head coach at the Cowboys. And I suppose, can you talk to us a, a little bit about that and, and about working with a, a larger than life character in Jerry Jones? Yeah, well, anytime, anytime they talk to me about Cowboys, I know that I know Jerry Jones is coming up because <laughs> uh, he is he is a, but he's the general manager. He's not only the owner; he's the general manager of the team. So uh, that's a, that's a lot different than any other owner. And so he's in the day-to-day -day operations. He's in uh, all the draft meetings and who we draft, uh, um, you know, who we're playing, those kind of things. He's he's involved in all that. So. Uh, so he has to be out front as far as that's concerned. Uh, fun guy to be around. <laughs> you know, uh, he'll have a pint with you. So he's, he's, a, he's a fun guy. He's, a, he's a very outgoing. Uh, and he's a, now, he is a great family man. He, uh, he and his family, his family all work. Charlotte works uh, for him. Uh, Jerry Jr. works for him. Stephen works for him. They all work together. It's a family situation. Even the mom helped, uh, Gene helped uh, uh, decorate the stadium, you know, I mean, different things like that. So the, they're really family involved. And when you're involved with them, your family's involved. My family, my son uh, worked where worked with us there. My, my daughter, when she came, um, you know, we were all together with the Jones family. So uh, that was a great thing about working there. And that's, it's, I mean, he, he wants to win the Super Bowl every year. And I, you know, I'd like to see him do it sometime. Uh, they did, a, you know, a lot in the nineties, but, uh, but he's, he's, uh, he's relentless and wanting to do the, do, do the best he can and have the best team he can. So 
because that's the kind of owner you want. Uh, Wade, you've had the opportunity to coach across numerous teams in the league. As a Giants fan, I just wondered, did you ever have the opportunity potentially to go to the Giants at any stage? Yeah, I saw, I saw the Jazz were going to come up. That's your team, huh, Brian? That's your team? That's the one yeah. you Okay, that's all right. They almost made it. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. yeah, actually, yeah. actually, I did uh, almost go with the Giants. Um, Jim Fossil was the head coach. When Jim Fossil was the head coach, you remember when he's the head coach? Yeah. Well, Jim Fossil was my offensive coordinator in Denver. So when he got the job, he asked me to come with, with him and be the defensive coordinator with the Giants uh, under Jim Fossil. Um, but I also had uh, Dan Reeves asking me to be the defensive coordinator at Atlanta. And I, w I ended up going to Atlanta instead of the Giants. Uh, I don't know if it's a good move or bad move, but uh, actually the first year we went to Atlanta, we beat Green Bay uh, in the playoffs. The first time that Green Bay Packers had ever lost a home game in the playoffs. So uh, we had a pretty good year there with Atlanta. So uh, uh, at least the first year was pretty good for us. When the, when the Ravens beat the Giants in the Super Bowl in 2000, you might have done a better job managing the defense in that game. Yeah, yeah, they they uh, they had a good they had a great team that year. They uh, they also the Giants also beat us. Uh, um, and I guess we'll talk about it later, but or maybe I don't know. But anyway, when I was with the Cowboys, we beat them twice during the regular season, and, and they beat us in the playoffs, and then won the Super Bowl in two thousand seven. So uh, that that was. How do you remember the, that? Oh, I do. Yeah, Brandon Jacobs touchdown, winning touchdown. Yeah. That. Yeah. That was, that was actually one of the questions around Jerry Jones putting the tickets on the players' uh, locker before the game for the championship game. Yeah, just... I, don't, I, don't, yeah I don't know if that's true or just the story. I, I never saw that. But we beat them twice during the season. So, yeah. and, and we were 13-3. and three, So, you know, we thought we might beat them. But they, they played a great game and had, obviously had a great team. They ended up winning the Super Bowl. So. Yeah. Wade, I'm a Patriots fan, so I can attest the Giants got lucky a few times that playoffs, I'd say. Um, but on that note, you know, you as a defensive coordinator have coached some amazing units as well. And you've had some games where, you know, arguably the game plan, the scheme you applied, you know, belongs like, I know, Belichick's in 86 with the Giants almost in the Hall of Fame. There's a couple of games that stand out for me. I'm just going to flag. I mean, you had the 20... 15 AFC Championship game where the Patriots went into the Broncos at mile high. And I think you, your team hit, uh, your defensive team hit uh, Brady 21, 22 times in that game. You just 24, had a, yeah. 24. You, you remember. I thought you might. Um, yeah, and you've had games where you and the defense have had an amazing game. And the Super Bowl, obviously, in 2018, yeah. where the Rams had the Patriots locked down for you know, three, four quarters until they went to a kind of, you know, an unusual formation and didn't substitute and got a little bit of momentum on one key drive. Right. Now, in that game, that that isn't on your unit. I mean, the offense somewhat let the team down, you would say, almost in that game. Now, I don't know, you know, sometimes hear players giving out about, you know, ah, oh, if only the offense would pick up or only the defense pick up. As a coordinator, are you ever there silently seething and, you know, wanting to kick the offense or wanting to suggest things? Or is it just, like, hey, it's all about the team, it's all about the one unit, and, you know, win and lose, we all win and lose together? Yeah, it's all about the team. I, You know, I've been on teams that are 
been around teams that, you know, you know, if you start, if you start thinking it's, it's somebody else's fault, then, then you're not going to play as well. You're not going to do as well. And I've always, I've always preached to my defensive teams that we're playing the other team's defense. We're not playing the other team's offense. We're playing the other team's defense. As long as we hold our, our hold the team we're playing to less than what they hold our team to, we win. It's not, it's not, well, okay, we held them to 13 points. Well, that was great, but they beat us 13 to three. So that, you know, we had to hold them to zero and then we didn't do it, you know? So I, uh, I, I've always, I, I don't like blaming it on somebody else or somebody to have an out and say, hey, you know, the other side of the ball isn't doing their job. No, we got to do our job to the best of our ability. And, and that, that 2015 team that won the Super Bowl with the Broncos now, uh, we didn't have the greatest offense. I mean, we had Peyton Manning, but we were, we were like 16th or 18th in the league in offense. But we played good enough to win. They didn't, you know, I, wouldn't, I started to say they didn't turn the ball over, but we did turn the ball over more than anybody in the league too. But our defense wasn't looking to the offense and saying, oh, heck, they messed up you know, or they didn't do good. We went out and said, hey, we're going to do our job. And we're going to do it the best. And therefore, in the Super Bowl, we scored a touchdown on defense. You know, Von Miller knocked the ball out and we recovered it for a touchdown. And we, we caused the, Von caused the fumble on the five-yard line that we scored on. And we held him to 10 points. So that was enough to win. And that, that's, that's the way you, gotta, you have to think, hey, we're going to play good enough to win. And, and we're not going to worry about the other side of the ball or our special teams. We're going to do our job and do the best we can do and, and make that enough to win. And I think you start there and that way you don't blame it on somebody else. You know, when something goes wrong or it isn't good enough, you know, the offense doesn't make enough points or enough touch first downs or whatever. Hey, we just got to stop them. We got to stop the other team. You're, uh, you're taking me back away as a Broncos fan. It's something that feels like yesterday watching that game. Iron sharpens iron. That, that game in January as well. Incredible defensive performance. And, you know, we haven't hit those heights since. We really haven't, Wade. I mean, you, you left and then it just, I don't know, man. Obviously, Wade, it would be interesting to hear your opinion. Maybe, obviously, John Elway now is gone as GM and he's moving up in the team. Um, what was it like working with John Elway in, in Denver in, in that stint? And just maybe your thoughts on what, really now is and I don't think it's being talked about this much it's a very it's almost like a reset again for, for this franchise with Elway leaving it's it's the real end of an era well it is because you know I was there when I was a defensive coordinator and uh way back and John Elway was playing and uh we went to the Super Bowl we lost in the Super Bowl but uh you know just being around him as a player uh what a great player he was and what a uh, tremendous guy and then and then to come back and he's a general manager and we win the Super Bowl uh, you know and he gave us the players we needed certainly so uh, so he's been I mean he's just been the top guy there for so long you know and the really the face of the franchise so uh, it's interesting it'll be interesting to see what happens now that they've changed general managers and Maybe he stepped away from it. I think he has. So, um, and and they hadn't been successful the last, you know, four or five years. So, uh, you know, maybe Denver people they 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 want to they want a winner, and 
they certainly had one in John Elway. So we'll see what happens there. I uh, I put a tweet out weird today to Broncos fans saying, talking to Wade Phillips tonight, if you could ask Wade Phillips one question as a Broncos fan, what would it be? Got about 50 replies and about 70% of them, Wade, was, can you please come back? So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been uh, I've been there twice, uh, and we went to the Super Bowl both times. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I you know I, I do love the Denver fans. They, like I say, they uh, it, it's an atmosphere, and and you probably have it there uh, with different teams that you have, whether it's whether it's uh, soccer or whatever it is. But different communities, uh, they they want to win so bad that it influences the players to do better. I really believe that. So uh, there's, uh, there's certain teams that do better, but I think part of it is they, they expect them to do well. The whole community expects them to do well. And, and I think that makes you a better, better team. I'm sure you have that in different towns that, that uh, uh, have teams or sports, uh, sports teams that uh, win year after year. Uh, it's not just that they have good players. They have people uh, supporting them that really want to win and, and expect them to win. Wade, um, speaking, I suppose, of that desire to, to win, um, I'm going to be selfish and ask a somewhat Broncos-related question, but we touched on earlier the relationship you have with players and, and what are the, the, relations, the special relationships seem to be with Aqib Tlaib. Can, can you talk a little bit about Akeeb and, and, and what he's like um, as a player? Because around the league, he seems, people were, like look at Akeeb. He did the, the commentary earlier in the year. There's a lot of respect for Akeeb and, and what he did around the league. Yeah, he's a great player. I think, I think Akeeb will be in the Hall of Fame uh, when, it, when his time comes up. Uh, he's, uh, he had a knack for not only intercepting the ball, but scoring touchdowns. I mean, uh, he did a whole bunch when I was there and, uh, and throughout his career, uh, he had a lot of interceptions, but, but a lot of them he ran back either for a touchdown or almost touchdowns. So, uh, he had a real knack that most, most DBs don't have. Uh, he's a, he's a great leader. He's, a, certainly a, a character, <laughs> but, uh, you know, you like guys like that because, you want them to be, you don't want everybody to be the same, you know? I mean, you, you want people to have an identity and he certainly did and does. And I think it made, made helped our team overall uh, because, because uh, the guy could be himself but still be a great player. And that's, that's what you need. You, you need guys that uh, uh, don't necessarily do the same as everybody else, but, uh, you know, go out on their own and, and, and uh, take a chance and do, do something to make, make plays for you. Uh, the guys that are timid or, or aren't, aren't, you know, aren't, aren't that mindset, uh, just kind of go through the game. What Tlaib didn't do that. He went, he went through the game trying to intercept it for a touchdown. Played the Chiefs uh, one year in uh, Kansas City and uh, beat him in Kansas City, as a matter of fact. Uh, but right before the half, uh, they were going to get the ball backed up. And Tlaib came to me before we went out on the field. And he said, Coach, you know, they're going to, they're going to, uh, backed up they, at the end of the half. They, they throw quick outs. 
He said, uh, he said, let me go get it. He said, call something, I can go get it. I said, okay. First play, quick out, intercepted. He didn't he didn't score a touchdown. He he took it to the five yard line. We went it out scoring for the half, and it was a big play in the ball game. So, uh, you know, it was a great player and a great guy, and fun to be around. I mean, why not have fun? Why not enjoy what you're doing? Have fun doing it. Be successful. I mean, what's wrong with that? I mean, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think everybody would kind of like to do that in their own profession, and uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. You know, people sometimes uh, they get carried away with people that are uh, outlandish or or have their own personality. But I think it, I th those kind of guys, like I said, Reggie White had a big personality. Uh, Von Miller, I mean, those guys have big personalities, but they still play for the team and play great, and that's what you want. And Wade, that 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 a bit that willingness to trust them. I mean, you can see the players respond to that. Is that something that you learned from from your dad? I think so. I mean, I trust, and some people say I trusted people too much, but I I'd rather be that way than not at all. I'm not trusting people. And I do think once you trust them and they know it, uh, they're going to play better. They're going to do better. Uh, when they when they feel like somebody has their back, uh, you know, that's, that's not going to come out and say, hell, you know, this guy made all these mistakes and isn't good enough. Uh, if you support them enough to, and trust them, they're, they're going to get better. And so uh, that's what I've always done. Yeah, I, I think some of my dad rubbed off on me there. I hope, hope that's uh, not only from him, but from me, just uh, being myself and and uh, you know I, that's the way I, that's the way I feel. That's the way I that's the way I live life. It's about people. You know, life is about people. Football is about people. And uh, you know, I enjoy <laughs> I enjoy people, and, and and I like people, and I don't mind showing them that. Now I will tell them, hey, they got to do better. You know, if they need to do better, and they know that, so. Uh, as long as you're honest and, and you're trustworthy and you, and you trust them, I think uh, all things work out better. Yeah, the next question refers back to your dad as, as well. Um, you look at Mike Shula and Stephen Belichick in the league today following in their, their father's footsteps. Just wondering, when you started off coaching on your dad's defense, did you feel more pressure to kind of to show people that you could you could be there and do it for your father? Yeah, you know, uh, like I said, when I went in, I was 27 years old and uh, I thought I was a hell of a coach, but <laughs> I hadn't done anything yet in the NFL. So, but I had enough confidence in my dad that he wouldn't put me in a situation that I couldn't handle. He had seen me coach. Uh, I obviously knew what kind of person I was but uh, he had seen me coach and because uh, he called me up and said, hey, he didn't ask me to come. He said, uh, wait, because I was coaching at University of Kansas um, in, in college. And he called me up and said, Wade, you're, you're coming with the Oilers. Get, get your stuff and uh, y'all move down to Texas. And so, uh, so that's what I did. He, he didn't ask me if I wanted to. And, uh, but I knew that he, he had enough confidence in me, and he knew that he wasn't that he wasn't going to put me in a situation that I really couldn't handle. Although I had some tough guys to coach at that time, because like I said, uh, I think two or three of them were older than I was, 
and I was trying to teach them, you know, to be better players. So uh, it was a challenge, but, you know, those guys that were older than I was, one of them was Elvin Bethea. He's in the Hall of Fame. Another one was Curly Culp. He's in the Hall of Fame. And then Robert Brazil, who's about my age, I coach also, is in the Hall of Fame. So those guys were pretty easy to coach. <laughs> and Wade, one more on your dad. Um, when you obviously went on in your career to then become a head coach, you know, um, obviously originally in the Broncos, a couple of years in the Bills, a couple of years in, in the Cowboys, did you ever have your dad, you know, almost being like a backseat driver trying to, suggest improvements or try and tell you what you should be doing in there or you know was that was that ever occurring and if so was it helpful? no 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 he if you knew him he wasn't that way at all I mean he he uh now I talked to him after every game basically and uh whether I was a head coach or not and he pretty had, much had the same message for me every time you know if we won he'd say hey you got a tough game next week you know you know don't uh, don't pat yourself on the back too much. You know, you know, you know, he'd say the next team you're going to play in next year, Philadelphia, you got Philadelphia next week and they're going to be tough, you know? And then if he lost, if we lost, he'd say, Hey, you still got that next ball game. You can't let them get down. You got to go to the next game, you know? So um, that's basically what he said to me. Now we argued a little bit, especially when I was working for him, about techniques and how you should play certain things. You know, I was hard-headed in some ways, <laughs> certain ways. He had certain ways to do them. Um, we, we might disagree on some of that, but we, you know, uh, but as far as second-guessing, no, he never second-guessed anything. He, he, uh, he was always behind me. Just like I'm behind my son. My son, Wes, coaches for the Rams. So, he uh, coaches the uh, offense, so he uh, coaches tight ends for the Rams, and, you know, uh, we talk football a lot and, and have worked together twice, and, uh, but I would, I, you know, I'm just proud of the, what kind of coach he is. I think he's going to be a head coach here one of these days, so we'll, we've had three generations of Phillips in the NFL, which the Shulas and the Phillipses are only families that have ever done that. I was, I was going to say, I saw he coaches the tight ends and the production of the tight ends in the blocking and the passing game is pretty impressive out there in the Rams. Yeah, he's really a good coach. You know, I'm I, I'm his dad, obviously, but but I, I've been around good coaches and he's definitely one. Can't wait to see how far he goes, man. It's going to be exciting. Wait, I hope it's okay, man. we got about five, six minutes. Is, is it okay even to round off just one question each before we round it off? Yeah, is that okay? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, sweet. Wait, um, look, man, obviously you played, please correct me if I'm wrong, but you were over in Twickenham in London with the Rams in 2017. And I'm also, I may be right, 1994, you went to Barcelona with the Broncos against the Raiders. Yeah. A very interesting season where you picked up this guy on draft to free agent, Rod Smith. A few people have heard of him now. Yeah. Um, what was it like going overseas? I guess it's completely, was it different going, going in the 90s to more recently? And What's your thoughts on the whole expansion? Do you think a team over here is realistic or do you think maybe a different structure is needed? Yeah, I was impressed, certainly, that, that uh, when we played at Twickenham and, and uh, when we played at uh, Wimbledon. Uh, uh, well, not Wimbledon. Uh, uh, Wembley. Wembley, right? Wembley. Wembley, yeah, not Wimbledon. I didn't play any tennis, but... <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, Wembley. And uh, 
the fans are awesome. I mean, you know, and Barcelona, we had a good time over there. You know, uh, I, I really enjoyed that that trip. Uh, you know, I've lived all all over the United States, but uh, but going to Europe and going uh, going to those places was fun because the fans are, are real fans. I mean, you know, they now they had all different jerseys on. You know. They had their whole different fan base. It's like they had Giants jerseys and they had, you know, different jerseys. But, uh, but they liked they liked American football. And I could tell that. Um, even in Japan, we went over went over there. Uh, they weren't quite as boisterous fan wise. I don't think they knew the game quite as much. But, uh, but they filled the stadium, you know. But those two stadiums were loud, and they. Uh, you know that's what helps the home team. So I yeah I think if you get a team there you you could have a pretty good team uh, because of the fan base. Uh, the fans will turn out and and uh, and sing for you <laughs> and 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 enjoy all that too. So I you know I didn't understand all that, but that was uh, but it was fun to be around. Wait, um, speaking of boisterous fan bases, you you spent uh, a bit of time up in uh, Buffalo. And uh, obviously the, the, the Bills Mafia, as they're now known, are renowned around the league. Just, um, you know, what are your, your thoughts? Obviously, um, big game this weekend uh, for, for them. Your thoughts on, on the Bills this season? Yeah, they've had a remarkable year. It's been a long time. <laughs> In fact, I was there when we, uh, when we won a playoff game, so... Uh, so that's, I was glad to see them do that last week uh, for the fan base. Although the fans aren't able to go to the games, which is a shame because it, it is a, a rowdy stadium now. And it's hard to play there, especially late in the year uh, because it's cold and the, and the weather and so forth. And the fans are, are really loud. So they, they don't get to have that, that advantage. Uh, but uh, they've got a good football team. They've got a really solid defense. Uh, we were number one in the NFL when I was there in defense. And uh, they've, got a, they've got a top-notch defense. And then uh, that young quarterback is really a great player. So I'm really impressed with their offense also. So it should, they, they've got a chance to get, get to the championship game, although, you know, uh, they play on a tough opponent. But uh, but they've got a chance to get there. I wish, I wish for them they would have a full crowd, and that would help them a little bit more. So we'll see what happens. Wade, the performance by the Cleveland Browns last week, bearing in mind the COVID situation with Kevin Stefanski and the players not being available, how, how impressed were you with that with that performance? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, going up twenty-eight nothing in the first quarter, you know, that'll help you. Uh, their defense did good too, and uh, um, yeah. In fact, Alex Van Pelt uh, played for me. Now he was a quarter. He's a backup quarterback for the Bills for Buffalo. He's a he's the guy that was calling the plays for uh, uh, for the Browns and did a great job. And he's a, he's a really good coach. I'm proud of Alex. He's uh, uh, every, he was kind of a backup quarterback, but he was real smart, and he learned you know he learned how to teach people to be better players. And then they also obviously learned to, to do a good job of, of calling plays. So I thought he did a really good job of, of managing the offense while the head coach was gone. And uh, 
and and I was glad, obviously glad to see the Browns uh, finally. You know, it's, they just been beat up so much by not being in the playoffs, and finally get back was great for them and their and their fans. Like I say, it's only it's just a shame that the fans don't get to go to the games. You know, Wade coming into this weekend, obviously in the playoffs, there's eight teams left. Um, you you coached three of them for a long period of time or a decent period of time, the Saints, the Rams, the Bills. So, you know, you've a lot of connections in those places. But, you know, how do you see it all panning out? I mean, down to the Super Bowl, who do you think is going to be the, the class acts that prevail at this stage? Good question. <laughs> uh, I don't know who has an answer. I mean, you know, the way I coach when I coach is, you know, I always think we're going to win. So <laughs> my team's going to win. <laughs> Uh, I got, I'm pulling for the Rams, obviously, because my son coaches there. So, uh, but, uh, you know, game to game, it's, it's how you play. I mean, it's uh, like, you know, like we were talking about with Brian. I mean, we beat, we beat, uh, we beat the Giants twice during the season and they beat us in the playoffs. And so playoffs is a new, new game. You know, it's a new season. Uh, some teams take advantage of that opportunity. Uh, some teams don't. So, uh, and it's really not how you're playing at the time. It's how you play that game, you know, and how you match up against that team. So, you know, I don't know how they pick them. I, uh, you know, I couldn't tell you which one's going to win it all. I, uh, you know, I think you just flip a coin and say, hey, this team's going to beat the other one because uh, they're going to play their best, you know, and uh, it's whoever makes the least mistakes in those ball games, really. So, uh, uh, and uh, it's sometimes it's players you don't even hear about that turn out to be the game winners, you know, to help them win the game. So there's about five or six plays during a game that make a difference and can change a close game. And it's those plays, whoever makes those plays can, can end up winning, but I can't predict. I'm in the coaching business. I'm not in the predicting business. <laughs> Fair enough. Weird. I, t- I tell you what, man, like we, we started the show asking about, uh, Irish heritage and stuff. I mean, you're definitely of some Irish in you because you've. We've, I feel like you, I feel like we, we we could talk for the next four or five hours with, with with a few pints in the pub somewhere. But your 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 insight of the game, your uh, analysis there has been just fantastic. And I know not just us lads, but the people watching this um, that are fans in Ireland, the UK, and Europe, massively appreciate this. Uh, wish you, you know, obviously your son the very best luck this weekend. If the Rams get to the Super Bowl, you'll have to come back on for a laugh at some point. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I've uh, uh, I've had a whale of a good time tonight, though. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a pleasure, Wade. It's definitely a pleasure. I know, Colin. It's been great. To, oh. I think it's our third time speaking with Wade. Yeah, thank, thank you, Wade. We really appreciate. Thank you for taking the time to share some absolutely fantastic stories with us. We really good, appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. Maybe I'll get over there. If I get over there, I'm gonna holler at you guys because I know you got a great country there and you got a, a lot of great people. We'll, we'll we'll take you to a few pubs, Wade. Don't worry about that. We'll, we'll uh, enjoy you. American football. Yeah. Thanks, yes, mate. sir. We had thanks very much, mate. All the best. Thank you.